Amen. This morning we uh, continue our march through the, the book of Ephesians. Uh, we are looking this morning at the belt of truth. This is the classic passage, you might say, on spiritual armor that's found in Scripture. Remember that every piece of this armor that we put on uh, is to take our eyes off of ourselves and put them on Christ. If you read that, you'll see that. And this morning we're going to look at uh, the belt of truth. The belt of of truth. Uh, We put on this armor not only to fight, uh, but to be victorious and to be strong in the Lord. That's verse 10. Be strong in the Lord in the power of His might, Paul says. In verse 11, continuing on, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand or withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Therefore, stand having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. This morning I want to look at the the belt of truth and uh, the importance of it. Last week we looked at this passage of this armor in a a general sense, in an overall sense, and we saw six things about this armor, and I'm not going to go through all of those again, but we saw that for one thing, this is armor. Uh, And I will say one thing about that, and that is uh, in in the Christian battle, this is not a bathrobe that you put on after a wonderful hot tub experience that you wrap around you and everything is wonderful, 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 wonderful. Now, Jesus is wonderful, but this is a battle. That's why we need him. And let us not forget that. But anyway, so we're to put on, secondly, to put on this armor. This armor is spiritual. It is doctrinal. It is divine. It is entire. And it is necessary. We looked at those things last week. And uh, the belt of truth now. We find that this word, the word belt, actually is not in the Greek. It literally says, having girded your loins with truth. But it's quite obvious, isn't it not, that uh, just as the Roman soldier had a belt around him and Paul is there seeing this, and he says, You put on this, you wrap your waist with this uh, uh, belt, if you will, because that's really what it is. He's talking about wrapping this belt around you. So he's obviously speaking about a belt. Uh, So uh, this is something that we wrap around our entire selves, isn't it? The belt of truth. It goes all the way around. And as uh, uh, it must be put on, it's that important. It's the first thing mentioned. Uh, 
uh, and uh, it's that important. We see that uh, there's a philosophy, I think, that has crept into the church that we have to be aware of, and this is not something new. This has been going on for a long, long time, and I mean a long, long time. But in today's thinking, it's called modernism. It's a mode of thinking, and it's a philosophy that... uh, that started probably uh, in the Enlightenment period in the 1700s. And they said that man is able on his own to figure out what is true. And you've, you've heard this sort of thing. It still, it still goes on today. And through science and learning, we can arrive at truth. There's no need for special revelation from God, if there is a God that man can arrive at truth without the help of God. Man's reason is all that he needs to arrive at correct conclusions, whether false or true. And so, in other words, what they say then, it's within you. Whatever that means. (laughs) Sometimes it's kind of hard to figure out what they're saying. But uh, I found a quote in uh, this book, it's called Unmasking the New Age. If you've never read it, it's a good read. And uh, there's a quote here from a tract that was passed out in a, in a student union that this author picked up when he went through there. And it's called A Pledge to Pagan Spirituality. It says, I am a pagan and I dedicate myself to channeling the spiritual energy of my inner self to help and to heal myself and others. I know that I am a part of the whole of nature. May I grow in my understanding of the unity of all nature. May I always be mindful that I create my own reality and that I have the power within me to create positive, uh, positivity in my life. May I always be mindful that the godness and God in all their forms dwells within me, and that this divinity is reflected through my own inner self, my pagan spirit. Isn't that sad? Yeah, he's, he's got real problems. He really does. And, uh, but that's really a lot of the philosophy today. And uh, you see that in special science fiction, uh, which I do like... Uh, but like Star Trek, you know, and that man, he, if he lasts, you know, over millions of years, he'll be like some of these other beings they run into that not even in bodies anymore. And they're all evolved into this perfect uh, individual that, uh, 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 you know, that, that just goes on and what have you. And so it's really... It's really a battle that we, that we face. And uh, let me tell you, there are no answers within. Sorry. Why? Because the heart of man is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. That's what the heart of man is. And, uh, but we as Christians say... We know the truth. And so when we tell people that, like this person, they'll say, boy, you're arrogant. 
you're arrogant like they're not. But uh, they'll say, how can you say that? Well, because God has revealed his truth in the word of God in the Bible. Well, they say, you have your truth and I have my truth. There is no the truth, they say. So, if they are right, then there is no basis of right or wrong. It becomes whatever works for you. Whatever makes you happy. Whatever is convenient for you. No, truth comes from our Creator. And He has stated what that is in His Word. And uh, it's interesting because it says in, even in Israel... In Judges 17, 6, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Or another translation is what was right in their own eyes. And that's what's going on today. People are doing whatever is right in their own eyes. They're not doing what the scripture says to do. Because, you know, that's truth to you. And truth to me is something else. And it's okay. We need to agree to disagree in all of this. And so that's the battle uh, that, we, that we face today. Also, didn't Jesus make this very clear about truth? I think he did. A very familiar passage, John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way. And what? Not a truth. Not one of many truths. Not whatever you, know, you define truth to be. I am the truth. You know, Jesus never said, I, my opinion, in my opinion, I think, no. You can't find Jesus saying it. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except what? Through me, who is truth. The truth. And so, anyway, Intolerance. To the world, Christians are very intolerant. They'll say that's our number one sin. Well, they are intolerant of intolerant people. Us. <laughs> that is so true. Uh, but Paul says, no, there is objective truth. There is right and wrong. Stealing will always be stealing. Stealing. Right? It never ceases to be sin. Uh, it's always wrong. You know, Robin Hood was wrong. Oh, I hate to bust your bubble. But you say, oh, but he stole from the rich to give to the poor. Right? Isn't that good? No, it's stealing. You know, we have to be careful, I think, in, in, the, in the modern church, even in Bible studies, uh, in our studies together, uh, saying about a verse or a passage, what does this verse or this passage mean to you? What? No. What does God see it means? See, that's what's important. It's not what I think about it or feel about it or, well, it speaks to you in one way and it speaks. Now, I understand, you know, there's more in a passage maybe than one thought. 
And I'm not talking about that. But uh, we have to be very careful because we fall into this modern thinking if we, if we don't. Uh, no, there are doctrines, major doctrines, that the Scripture speaks about that will always, there are absolutes. There is no gray area. Uh, we cannot agree to disagree when it comes to the deity of Christ, when it comes to the virgin birth of Christ, uh, when it comes to these uh, major do- doctrines, which is salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is not debatable. We cannot compare notes with Islam. Well, you know, people of Islam, they're going to heaven. They are. That's not what Jesus said. You only come through me. And who is, was he? The great I am. The great I am. Not just some prophet, not just some teacher. God incarnate. Our wonderful Lord and Savior, a God who, who died for us, was raised for our justification. And these people one day are going to say, you know, I was wrong about that. But it will be too late, sad to say. Uh, no. Uh, you know, Paul doesn't say that about these Judaizers in Galatia. Remember in, when we went through the book of Galatians, he says, Paul says, but if an angel from heaven if we are an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, then forgive them and just let it go. Is that what he says? Accept them for who they are. No, let them be under God's curse. Is that pretty clear? Yeah. See, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is one Savior. There is Thus saith the Lord. That is not subjective. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. God and Father of all. Uh, Oh, you're just an old stick in the mud. I've had people, you're just an old stick in the mud. Yeah, but a stick stays put. Okay? So I don't mind being called a stick in the mud. You need to be more broad-minded. Is that what Jesus said? No, he said narrow is the way. Narrow. Broad is the path there is to destruction. You know, uh, we need to be very careful what truth is and proclaiming the truth. Um, So the first thing we should do is to uh, bind ourselves with the objective truth of God's Word. We need to wrap God's truth around us. Wrap it around you. Matter of fact, if the bell goes around twice, wrap it around, you know. (laughs) Make it tight. Make it fit. Make it, uh, we're going to look at that in a minute. But, um, you know, somebody said, well, we're on a quest for truth. Are we on a quest for truth? No, we're not on a quest for truth. Why? Are you searching for the truth? Are you aiming for the truth? Are you living life hoping to find the truth? No. We have the truth. And when you have Jesus, who is the truth, 
He sets you free. When you trust Him, when you, He's your Lord, when He is your Savior, and He is your God, we have the truth. Bind Jesus around you. Cover yourself with His righteousness, which is the breastplate. We're not there yet. but We're not those who are ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Timothy 3.7 These people are always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of what? The truth. It's sad, but it's so true. What was the belt to the Roman soldier? Historically, we find it was a belt of very thick leather. It was like an apron. It was wide and it covered the loins, uh, which were the vulnerable parts of the body. And other things were on this belt, like the sword, and even squares of metal were on this belt for protection, extra protection. And uh, uh, three things this belt did for the soldier. And uh, it was for protection. It was for uh, freedom of movement. Uh, this belt uh, uh, went around a tunic that you put over your head. It had a place for your head and arms. And then, but it was loose. It would flop around. And so the belt was to bind it together so you wouldn't trip over it, so it wouldn't get in the way when you were fighting. Uh, very important, this belt. And without the belt, the soldier was not a good fighter. And so it is with us. But we're going to look at that too. So it was tucked in uh, that you could be prepared. It, uh, it gave you uh, freedom of, of movement. You, it made you ready. Jesus uh, said in Luke 12, 35, be dressed ready for service. Keep your lamps burning. Be ready, he says, for service. And you're not ready unless you have that belt on. Uh, men, I guess women wear belts too, but some men would be in a lot of trouble without wearing uh, belts. And so they're, they're extremely important, and yet that's a different belt than what they had in, in a lot of ways. First Peter 1.13, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. See, we're to be alert. We're to be ready. We're to be prepared is what he's saying. Gird up the loins of your mind, Paul, uh, Peter says here. Gird up the loins of your mind is another way it's translated, which I like better. Uh, make your minds ready. Be on the alert. Be ready for action is the idea. Then thirdly, there's confidence, which is inner strength. Uh, making sure everything is in place, not just hanging loose. Uh, and this would also give you a sense of confidence. And you know if you've ever played football, if it's tackle, uh, you're not going to have much confidence going out on the field unless you have your armor on. If, if, right? I mean, your helmet and your shoulder pads and your chin strap, your mouthpiece. And if you've ever noticed on, on TV when you, they're always 
adjusting everything. In other words, they're getting ready. And they have confidence in all that stuff they put on. And so we're to be confident and, and, and to be ready. And uh, I remember when I flew to, to Africa and uh, we were <laughs> leaving Amsterdam and in that 747, it was like a bucket of boats. I had no confidence in that plane at all. And, I mean, it was like, you know, it was like this thing is not going to make it off the ground. I mean, the plane was packed, too, heading to Nairobi. Well, and what I had, so I had very little confidence in this thing, and so I was praying, God, get me to Africa, please get me. So anyway, halfway there, as I've told the story before, the pilot comes on and says, the skin is peeling off the wing. We're going to have to go back to Amsterdam. And I'm going, I have very little confidence in this thing. But we can have confidence, can we not, in Jesus. We can have confidence because he is the truth. Uh, Now, what's the spiritual correlation? Uh, How is truth like this belt? Well, the same three ways. Protection, freedom, and confidence. Knowing the truth will protect you from false prophets, false teaching, heresy. Because truth will resist this error. You have a counterfeit bill. You don't study all the counterfeit bills. No, you study the real thing. And you, you know what's real. You have it. And therefore, when you see a counterfeit, you know it's counterfeit. And so when you have the truth and you know the truth, you've been set free from this. Then when a counterfeit comes along, heresy, you're able to, uh, to spot it. And it's, it's extremely important. Uh, so truth will resist error. And remember, Satan would love for you to become a heretic. And that's not like somebody that would lose their salvation, but just to trip you up on some of the doctrines that... Uh, the scriptures speak of. For instance, hell. There's a movement today that hell isn't eternal, that it's really just annihilation after a period of suffering. You can't find that in scripture. It talks about an eternal hell forever and ever. And so Satan loves to trip us up and and gets gets us to uh, come up with, uh, question God, really. It's just doubting God. Doubting his word just like he did with Eve that I talked about last week. And he would love for us to get off on all the things that we do thinking that we become more spiritual by doing them. Whether it's raising of hands or, or, or bowing or genuflecting or kneeling or, you know, those things are okay if they're coming from the heart. And I'm not throwing stones at any of them. But if you're doing that and think that because... You're jumping around from pew to pew. That makes you more spiritual. You've got the cart before the horse. Now, I'm not saying when we see Jesus, we're going to go, oh boy, sure it's good to see him. I, mean, I don't think that's going to happen. Sorry, I just don't. I mean, whoo, it's, it's going to be exciting. Glorious day. And we're not going to recognize one another because we're going to say... Who is that maniac? I mean, he's, we're just going to be ecstatic. We're going to be so filled with the love of God and we're just going to go crazy. And it's going to be okay because we won't care what other people think and 
and oh, what do they think about me? And you know, I've got to watch myself. No, the power of God will will uh, move us to to rejoice. And uh, and but anyway, so Satan is is Christian liberty be, can become a license, uh, an excuse for out of control behavior. And Satan loves to to get us tripped up with legalism and and everything that's involved in that. So truth will protect us uh, from these things. Remember what God said in Psalm 119. Read Psalm 119 because it speaks of how God uses his word to protect us and and point out our sin. And uh, the, the power is through his word. The power comes through His Word, through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us as we study His Word and changing us and moving us and convicting us. And it says here very clearly, and I've used this before, but how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living, by living according to your Word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not what? Sin against you. So, the importance of God's word. Secondly, there's freedom. The truth will give you freedom. Wow. Wow, freedom. To be set free. John 8, 31 through 36. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you hold to my teaching." Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free... You will be free indeed. Wow. See, the truth will set you free as you trust Christ, as you uh, uh, repent of your sins, uh, when you realize there is now no condemnation. Well, we find all this through His Word, Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now how much condemnation? None. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, gives what? Life. It has set you what? Free from the law of sin and death. You want to live by the law? You want to try to be saved by keeping the law? It only brings sin and death. If that's where your trust is and not in Christ and keeping that, not that you shouldn't keep it, but if you're trying to keep it for salvation, you're not going to make it. No. It, it, uh, we're free. Uh, truth gives us freedom to speak the things of God to other people, to be witnesses for Him. We have freedom in prayer. Uh, the more the Word of God is in your heart, and I really believe this because I've experienced this, put God's Word in your heart and I guarantee you, you'll, you'll see it when you pray. It's amazing when I'm when in prayer how verses will just come, truth will come into my mind that I pray. 
And uh, God is doing that. Why? Because he's taking his word and he's working in us and he gives freedom in this prayer. And so and this is something that, uh, that I've experienced. And so uh, there's no freedom in man-made laws. It is for freedom, Galatians 5.1, that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, like he says in, to the Ephesians then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a, lo- a yoke of slavery because Christ has set you free. And uh, we need to know his word. We need to know his word. And then it's freedom also, I think, from an accusing conscience. Does your conscience ever say to you, you a Christian? How can you be a Christian because you're such a big sinner? You're just a hypocrite. You're just this and you're just that. The truth is what? I'm worse than that. But you know what? God's grace and His mercy and His forgiveness is greater than all my sin. You see, that's truth. And that truth will set you free. It'll set you free to praise Him, to worship Him, to exalt Him, because you know it's not you. You know it's Christ. Uh, he's a good God. And who shall bring a charge against God's elect? No one. Who is it that condemns? No one. Because he justifies us. He died to make intercession for me. And there is now no condemnation. Lastly, confidence. Why? Why do we have confidence? Just like that football helmet. I mean, don't misunderstand me. If, if I was to play in the NFL and I had to face some of those linebackers and I was running that ball, I don't care what kind of helmet, you know, <laughs> because I don't think I would be safe anyway. I mean, <laughs> but you see, the confidence that we have is God. We're kept by His power. We're up against an enemy that's millions of times stronger than any linebacker out there, you see, that would do us harm. But we can have confidence. Why? Because we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Wow. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty exciting. That's truth. That's truth. And I think the more you know about something, the more confident you are about it. So the more truth you have in your heart that you're hiding away in your heart, the more confident you're going to be. Now let me ask you. uh, We have a doctor here. And uh, would you want, uh, and he was a pathologist, would you want to go to him or somebody that had just finished medical, uh, not medical school, but the first year of medical school to diagnose the problem that you had? No, you'd want somebody who has been in it for years and years, right? Because uh, you know that he knows what he's doing. Do you want to go to a surgeon uh, who has had hundreds of open-heart surgery 
Or do you want a guy that has just seen it once? Done. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. But uh, I know we need to know the truth. We need to know and be confident. And we have all of the confidence in the world because the Word of God tells us we, do, we have. Plus, we experience that. In our life, we experience that. You know, it's interesting. First John, and I'm almost done here. First John 5, 13 and 14. I write these things to you who believe, in other words, real believers, in the name of the Son of God, so that you may uh, hope that you, you know, maybe so, could be, possibly, no, no, he says, that you may know that you have eternal life. See, we have the truth. We're not seeking anything. We have it. We've found it. This is the confidence. Whoa, there we go. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We can have confidence. You cry out to God, you can have confidence. He is, he is hearing you, and he loves you and cares about this. So the truth protects us from the deadly lie that this life is all there is. See, that's what the devil whispers in your ear. This is all it is, man. Just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. Have a good time. Live it up. That's what he whispers in your ear. But the truth tells us uh, what God is like. And he tells us that we uh, are lost, that without Christ we will perish eternally. That's truth. That we're fallen creatures and we need to trust Christ by faith. We need to cast all of our cares upon him for he cares for us. You see, this is truth. It's not some wishy-washy, you know, looks clean, smells wishy-washy. You remember that? I forget where I got that. Right? No. It's clean. It's clean. It's been washed by the blood of Christ. We're pure. We're clean. Not because of what we have done, but because of Christ and what he has done in our behalf. Dying for us. Shedding his blood for us. And so God tells us the truth. He doesn't trick us. We're not going to find out one day, ha, 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 I tricked everybody. You just thought... No, no. This is truth. And God has given us his word and we can trust it, have confidence in it. And we need to have a firm grip on the word of God. I'm going to use an illustration I use. I usually have somebody up here representing the devil, but I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> Unless somebody wants to volunteer. But anyway, uh, there's, there are several ways of getting a firm grip on the Word of God. Five ways. And I got this back in college from a, a, a fellow that had the whole New Testament memorized, if you can imagine such a thing. But he was incredible, just unbelievable. And he lived it too. He, but anyway, there you, so you can hear the Word of God and read the Word of God. This Bible is so heavy I can't hardly hold it. So I don't have a very good grip on it. And so the devil comes along, he just takes it, right? He snatches the, 
the snatches it the Bible talks about. Then there's hearing, reading, and then study. So you've got a firmer grip. But not only is there hearing, reading, studying, there's meditating on the Word of God. And now you've got a pretty good grip. But then, not only is there hearing, studying, reading, meditating, there's memorizing, hiding in your heart. What do you have now? A firm grip on the Word of God. That's what God wants. Hide His Word in your heart that you might not sin against Him. See, there's power. There's power, power through His Word. And He wants us to know that and to practice that, to memorize God's Word. And I would encourage you to do that. You know what? You could start by memorizing one verse a week. That'd be 52 verses a year. You say, oh, that's not much. You know. It's a lot. Just think if you had been doing that since you were a Christian. Had it in your heart. We need to also apply the truth. Wrap it around. Be disciplined to do that. What did Jesus say? In Luke 11.28, he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and what? See, it's nothing, it's not just enough. You've got to apply the truth. Know it and then apply it. And then thirdly, to fight. To fight. You know, you don't put this belt on just so you can look good. Uh, it's not a fashion statement. You know, I've known Christians, sad to say, they could debate anybody on any topic and they'll always win because, boy, they could just wow you with their intelligence. They look good. But you know what? Very little power in their life. Very little love in their life. They were not in the fight. Obeying it, Jesus says. Obeying it. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17. One observation, we're done. In Christianity, the truth must come first. Then the action. Truth must come first and then the action. You've got to know the rules to play the game. We already have all that we need. Paul says, put it on. Put on this truth. Preach the whole counsel of God, Paul says. It'd be like saying, all right, let's have a football game. Great idea. Man, let's, let's do that. Uh, we don't need a football. Uh, where's the field? Oh, we don't need a field. Okay, what, what, what about the rules? Oh, there are no rules. See, that's a lot of what's going on today. In the, let's just get out there and do something. Very little is getting done in here. No, you've got to play by the rules. Or you don't, you've got to obey it. Not to be saved, but because that's the way God has set it up. Just like if you played a football game, 
You better play by the rules. You can get penalized. You're going to get penalized if you don't. It's that, that important. So, brothers and sisters, let's get out there and do something. Let's play by the rules and obey God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Father, that uh, it is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Lord, it's done that in my life and probably most everybody here, if not everybody here. So we know that it's sharp and it's, it, it penetrates, it convicts. And Lord, help us to hide it in your heart so that we will not sin against you. Help us to play by the rules because we know uh, that that's your desire for us to obey your word. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And Lord, just give us grace to do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.